keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Evan Marks. I am the king of sad styles, the man with the largest calves in the world. Joining me as always, the Slaughterhouse, Scotty Kaplan's, Andy Cups, Robert Karpolis, and Zach Attack. How is everybody doing? Uh, congrats to a possible new president. Uh, it's been a crazy week. Crazy week. I can yeah, we might it. have to edit that part out, Zach. Just prepare it, just in case things go to <laughs> shit between now and the end of recording. <laughs> the last episode of my last podcast, I did this podcast with Sean Donnelly, and the last podcast we ever did, we were watching the uh, votes count come in for Hillary Trump, and the entire time we're like, oh, this can't be that bad. Like, you can hear just like a slow-motion car wreck during the recording. Yeah, you might be listening to this during a civil war right now, folks. So we hope that while you're hoarding uh, and hiding in a storm basement somewhere, uh, you're enjoying listening to this episode. (laughs) Storm basement is where Lars Sullivan has made all his bad decisions. (laughs) Um, All right, let's get to the 10 count. Uh, Number one, a five-star classic this week, NXT UK, Walter versus Ivan Dragunov. What did you guys think of the match? We'll start Dude, with so I, I just watched this an hour ago, so it is fresh in my mind, and my goodness. I mean, I, I still really don't have words for it. I heard people were like, it's the most physical, it's so physical, it's the most physical WWE match ever. And I was like, okay, what, what does that mean exactly? And you watch it, and it's just a slap boxing match. And and I mean, right. they are kicking each other, and there are kicks to, to the spine. Uh, one thing I will say is, when I heard it was violent, I was thinking like New Japan violent, which it did have elements of that. But there was only like one moment where a guy landed on his neck, and I preferred this so much more. They, yeah, uh, it, it barely left the ground too, which I loved. I, I, that's like something that I kept noticing. They rarely left the ground. I don't think like they, if they bounced off the ropes, it was like three times in the match. But otherwise, it was just them smacking the shit out of each other with, with like 10 other moves sprinkled throughout it. Robert, are you a Walter guy? Do you like Walter? Now I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I Walter confused me for a while. We, we had looked into bringing him in for MLW, and I saw stuff with him where some of the matches, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Some of it was like, this really doesn't seem all that captivating. Um, but watching this match, I mean, literally my notes just say, holy shit. Right. Um, I, I watched this earlier today as well. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I got to watch this at the podcast. I couldn't believe it. Um, of just how sucked in I was immediately. And, and then I saw Jim Cornette of all people love this match. And he said, this is how wrestling should have evolved. Uh, he said, if it wasn't for the, the comedy writers and the backyard wrestling bullshit, which to a degree, that's fine. But this felt 
real, it felt physical, it felt intense. And it reminded me of when I was a kid, I loved watching pro wrestling. And I was like, I never want to get in the ring because I'm scared of getting hurt. And then as I watch it, I'm I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I watch this and I never want to fucking wrestle ever. I never even want to look at a wrestling ring again after seeing what (laughs) these guys did to each other. It was incredible. Yeah, it it was... it kind of had the feeling of, you know, like at the end of Lethal Weapon when Mel Gibson and Gary Busey are like fighting. And like it had like end of an action movie vibe. I fucking loved it. It was mad. And, and, and you know, to comment on Cornette's uh, comment, I think if wrestling evolved like that, uh, wrestlers would become extinct. <laughs> you, you can't just... <laughs> You can't just do that all the time. No, this is this is a you can't do this once a week, once a month, maybe once or twice a year. It felt like some of those Benoit matches you would watch where like their chests are raw and he's just like they beating the shit out of each other. But Scott, to your point, even though this was super brutal, it felt safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But damn. And, and the trust they must have with each other to like be. There, there was moments where I'm like, you're going to break his neck. Uh, but just through like slaps and, and, and heavy, heavy hits. Uh, yeah, I, I love this so much. I don't want to see it all the time, but I would like to see it more often. I, I also kept thinking, who from WWE is there backstage? You know, I know they're filming it in the UK, but I kept thinking like if H was there, w- would he be like, Cut the tape. What the fuck is happening here? He put it over online. He said this was this so was nervous. really physical. But you know what? And here's a question I was going to pose to you guys. I, I love this match, and I like that it took place in a bubble in NXT UK, away from all the WWE bullshit. Do you really think a guy like Walter would be able to survive in the main WWE culture right now? I think they may. I, uh, I, I don't know. Like I think they, they would ruin what makes him. Oh yeah, they they would ruin what makes him special. I feel like he'd be involved in our truth sketches and and who knows yeah. what kind of bullshit. Yeah, Vince it's, would it's make it all face. about his tits. He'd be like, "You're gonna wear a bra." <laughs> Grab me Viscera's outfit. <laughs> no, they're gonna they're gonna realize he looks like Sam the Eagle. They're gonna get the Muppets and they're gonna be like, "He's my brother." <laughs> Uh, speaking of things you don't want to see, uh, Jericho tweeted about the election yesterday. This is uh, this is the quote on this is the uh, quote quote unquote total quote. Uh, I'm not a political person, but it, is it strange to anybody else that for the first time ever we have to wait a day, two days, five days, ten days to find out who won the presidential race? That's right, folks. Y2K doesn't remember 2K. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, is it, do you think he's leaning into it? Is, it, is this like three-dimensional chess where he like realizes that Trump's going to lose? So what a great heel would be like to like still be a Trump guy even after Trump's lost? Or am I just giving him way too much credit and he's just become a wrestler from Florida? I mean, the, the note that I wrote was uh, that I hope this is CTE related and not GOP related. <laughs> like, I know he donated a bunch of money to Trump because he's he makes enough money where he wants to keep it. But there are so many people that I admire who subsequently turn heel and join the, the GOP, whether it was David Mamet or Dennis Miller and now for Jericho to do it. Like, I'm not ready for QAnon as Jericho yet. And I feel <laughs> this is this didn't feel charactery. This felt like he's leaning into that whole conspiracy theory bullshit that he sometimes does on his fake Joe Rogan podcast. 
Well, what I loved was Lance Storm, of all people, corrected him. And I mean of all people because I know they're they're very good friends. And to kind of publicly drop him like that. And again, he didn't drop him. He just corrected him. But to publicly correct such a, a, a moronic statement is super embarrassing. And I, I, I saw Jericho responded to one person who was just like, well, no, actually, it happened in 2000. And Jericho just were like, okay, thank you for that information. And it's like, oh, please, you didn't come to Twitter to find out the information. <laughs> you came to Twitter so people could start going, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I just, I just, I just had the image of Jericho being QAnon, like they're a Comet Pizza putting like, like kids in the pizza boxes or like <laughs> Wayfair furniture. I have no idea. And then all of a sudden, like the lights go down and you see that fucking, that jacket. Also, you knew this was bullshit because anytime a wrestler says I'm not political, when they're in the most fucking political industry you could possibly be in, uh, he, he, he knew what he was doing to a degree. I think he was, it was a, it was playing to the, the, the Republican base of people who listen to him to get them all riled up. Uh, and then he can always write it off as oh, I'm just being a heel. Well, I I just hope because he he is self-aware, like there are moments during Dynamite where I hear him and I go, oh, he's almost playing a Trump character. Like when Tony uh, at the town hall, that that, that failure of a uh, segment uh, where he told him to shut up or something, it was like. That, that, that was clearly try, they were trying to pass that off as like how Trump was during the debates. At least that's how I saw it. So he is self-aware. I mean, we'll find out, I guess, when he fights MJF and if they're outside of the ring and the ref is counting, if he goes, stop the count, that, you know, then, <laughs> then we'll know how aware he is. But uh, I, I don't mind it too much. Like his face is even becoming a Trump supporter. There's something like very very plastic and elastic about his face now and he's uh, yeah he looks like he would go to a boat protest yeah yeah that, that kind of look yeah he's and turning say, hey you guys like my wife he's turning into <laughs> mickey rourke from the wrestler like it's weird he's getting that that face to him or and and after a couple months he's going to be mickey rourke in sin city oh jesus <laughs> christ heavens to bussy um here's some reactions to chris jericho's bad election speech um one of cm punk saying i'm not a political person m-o-o and p i don't know it's i, I can't he's, he's got some of the letters capitalized so oh so dan doesn't understand so so it's like it's like dumb voice. Dan doesn't get it. Dan, oh, is this the SpongeBob? Dan meme is where, young yeah. enough to get it, but he's just again, he's been in the woods for seven months. Um, <laughs> he's doing like it's like that SpongeBob mean. It's like I'm not a political person. It's like basically like I'm a moron is what he's telling him. It's like you you're coming off like an idiot by saying that. You know, like it, it, it yeah, it's it's a shot at people who say that. And and Jericho is, is one of them, obviously. Oh, I just know I just looked at Tucker who We'll talk about later on, but he got in it with a lot of Jericho supporters. Tucky? What did Tucky say? I mean, he was just being rational, you know? He said, it's almost like 2000 never happened. And then somebody wrote, it was one state that had massive issues with miscounted and uncounted votes, and they couldn't agree on it. This is server states that don't have that issue. They're just taking their sweet time. And then Tucker goes, Pennsylvania couldn't start counting mail-in ballots until after polls closed last night. Way more mail than in than usual because of pandemic. Uh, I would rather they make sure to count every American vote, no matter how long it takes. 
So he's just like, I mean, he's just like kind of taking the, you know, the standard Democrat. Yeah. Also in Florida, in Florida, wasn't the issue in 2000. It was like different counties were counting the votes differently. And they were like, this is one state. This is not how it should be. Whereas the laws are different in every state here. And so far they're following the laws. There's no proof of fraud. So in 2000, they, they said to, to finish the count. And then it was a matter of whether or not they needed to dispute ballots or do recounts or things like that. No one was saying stop counting in the middle of the uh, uh, of the. I'm going to roll up my sleeves like Steve Kornacki. Fuck it. I'm really get, we're going to get into this. We're going to get Tucker on here and he's going to give us his hot takes. Well, my, my, ta- my hot take on Tucker is, man, if you couldn't get buried even worse than losing on 205 Live and Monday Night Raw, it's to go against Trump tweets. I mean, this guy must be done with wrestling or something. It's almost like we're going to talk about him later in the show. Yeah, exactly. I'm really good at transitions. Let's actually do that right now. Number three, repackage Tucker. That's right, folks. This last week, Tucker uh, was in a wrestling match. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. Uh, he was uh, he was beaten pretty quickly, uh, and it seems that they're not at all capitalizing on his falling out with Otis. I mean, how do you save somebody like this? Who doesn't I called like- it, by the way. I called it. I said he was going to disappear by December, and, and I bet you he's not even on fucking TV next week. You don't think they're going to do any follow-up angle with him and... With Otis? No. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a, a be- they walk past each other at Survivor Series, and, you know. But otherwise, no. I, I, doubt, I doubt anything's going to come from it. Jesus. Yeah, I, I have a few ideas of how to repackage him. I mean, one, right. you, could sh- you could shave his head and call him Baron Corbin and just get rid of Baron <laughs> Corbin. Uh, or, and, and this, is, this is extra cheese, but this is, this is what Raw likes. You, uh, I think Tucker needs somebody right now, uh, clearly. Uh, so what you do is you have him learn an instrument or act like he knows an instrument and he, his gimmick for the, until December, until... He disappears forever. His his storyline is he wants to form a band with Elias. And every time Elias plays, all of a sudden you hear like a drum kick in, you know? And it's Tucker trying to be a part of the band. And then a week later, a uh, bass kicks in and it's Tucker trying to be a part of the band. And then we all hate it and he disappears by December. <laughs> it's actually not that bad. Like, yeah, it's kind of cute, not... right? It's cute. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, and then like know, by that's... like week five, he's he's just like like you know like banging a try like just tapping a triangle yeah it's like a it's a fun low mid-card storyline whatever yeah trying to duet with robert boy that's gonna be hard to top but uh (laughs) (laughs) um look yeah he got he got the short end of the stick but the the fact of the matter is they can go back to why he turned on Otis in the first place, which was he was sick of dealing with the sports entertainment bullshit of Otis. He wanted it to be about him. And I'm trying to think of what you could do in the Thunderdome era to make him stand out. So I would repackage him as the spotlight Tucker Knight. Uh, Cause his full name was Tucker Knight. It was a cool name where when yeah. he comes out, all the lights go out and there's just is a that spotlight. His real name or no, no, his, his real name is like Leon something or other fuck off boy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's French. But uh, all the lights go out in the Thunderdome. You just get one spotlight on him that follows him down to the ring. And then it's entirely about him and fuck everybody else. And 
he'll probably drop the ball because he sucks at promos and he's not very good in the ring and he's not an interesting person to watch and he shouldn't be on television anymore. But if you needed to do something for him, Ooh, dropping that spotlight harsh. on him. Well, I, I, I only mean, say, he's a pretty good worker. I, I understand he doesn't he doesn't have a, the thing where Otis, where you look at Otis, like your eyes immediately go to Otis because he has that like like Chris Farley magnetic thing on on camera but and tucker's an amateur he's an amateur wrestler the problem is he's not big enough to be a big guy he's not nimble enough to be super agile he's he's you know i compared him before like once before to like henry godwin uh who was bigger and more talented but tucker like when he turned on otis and he cut that backstage promo after he was just lost in the fucking woods and I was like, how did they not think to work through this with him in advance and realize he might not be able to pull this off? And- hey, maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe they thought he could pull it off. They saw him do that, which I think we all recognized as kind of a fail. And they just abandoned ship on the dude. Well, they haven't fully abandoned ship because when Retribution came out, he didn't join Retribution, which would have been a sign they have no faith in him whatsoever. <laughs> that's right. Another Another rough night for Retribution. It's so funny that like that's their name now. When, Wait, like, what happened to Retribution week? again on Raw? I'm forgetting. They beat up Tucker and Ricochet. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, so they're now going Ricochet after the lower. Like yeah, so they went from we're being held down, so we're going after the establishment, to we're being held down, so we're going to go after the guys who fight to get any moment of TV time. Um, what? and then feud with with uh, white supremacists on Twitter, like Ali is doing. Oh, it's beautiful. Speaking of white supremacists, uh, <laughs> Chavo, this is number four, guys. We're skipping around the order again. I apologize. Chavo Guerrero once pitched wearing a clan robe to the ring as Curlin White to get heat. I have no idea. I, this happened. I saw somebody wrestle independently in a clan hood once. So I guess this is a gimmick, but. I, mean, Wait, I don't think you can just skip past that. What do you mean you saw someone wrestle independently in a clan hood? <laughs> well, I'm a Nazi. No, uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, my, my, this is actually, I think I talked this on the podcast before, but I'll tell the story again. When I was um, a kid, my aunt was like, oh, our next door neighbor's a wrestler. You should come check him out. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Cause I was, you know, I was in fourth grade. I was just getting into wrestling or whatever. So I go to this like Legion town hall and then this dude comes out like I'm like who is this guy and all of a sudden I hear like German national pride music and he comes out dressed as a Nazi and my little cousins uh, don't know what a Nazi is so he starts doing the Siegheil and then all my cousins start following him (laughs) and it was absolutely insane so we had to like tell them stop we couldn't go again and then my aunt said like another night she saw him go into his car and he was wearing a giant clan robe so wow be his next gimmick that i didn't realize like... aj's been wrestling that long <laughs> yeah it's you it, trying it to start like... like a wave with with the sea call <laughs> yeah we always <laughs> act like, like, like we always act like um oh ecw is the only time they had this hardcore shit they've been doing hardcore shit for years and years and years and years it's the easiest way to get cheap heat but absolutely would you run that angle? Two questions. Would you Would you do that angle? Um, I don't know. I, I was so no. okay. So I was on creative at this point in time. You were no. there. 
I was I was on no. creative for, for Kerwin oh White. Oh my god! I was I have not heard this. Oh my god! Thank God. This particular pick, but I hear. So here's here's where what 2005 WWE was. Uh, it was trying so hard to be super edgy to capture what the what they thought made the Attitude Era work. Uh, we had a, a, a young up-and-coming roster. It was guys like Carlito and Chris Masters and Snitsky and Caden Murdoch, and we needed stuff. And the Kerwin White uh, idea... You know, you, you know those legends, Kane and... <laughs> we, we tried, and some of them... Look, some of them are still alive, <laughs> and I consider that a success. Um, <laughs> but the problem was, it was you were, you were vying for what was going to get Vince's attention. And Jim Ross always talks about this, like, well, the fucking Stooges, you know, they, they just want to entertain Vince. Well, yeah, he, he's your fucking boss, and if he likes what you're doing, you're going to stay. And I was told, you want to pitch things that are, that are South Park-style edgy. Like, this was the time of uh, when they did the thing with Jared from Subway has AIDS angle on, on South Park, where the idea right. was oh, that okay. Jared had helpers and that maybe everyone thought that he got skinny because he had HIV. <sighs> it was like that kind of really like over the top tastelessness. And right. I remember I was working doing stuff for, for Mr. Kennedy. Uh, that's my that's what I will eat out on for the rest of my life that I came up with the microphone dropping from the ceiling bullshit. Dude, it's and, great. That's great. It's and we best. were trying to pitch things of like, he's a complete asshole. How do we get this over? And one of the things that I had pitched was in this same time frame, uh, 2005, 15 years ago, we've learned from then that he comes out there and he's like, look, you guys boo me. I don't get it. I'm not a bad guy. Like I do a lot of important things. I do philanthropic work. Uh, in fact, I have my own charitable organization called Ken Kennedy's Kids and we give back to the youth and I have mm -hmm. some of them here uh, mm -hmm. today and I'm gonna bring them out and, and if you donate, you're going to get a chance to get the apparel that they're wearing. And it was going to be kids coming out in white hooded sweatshirts that said KKK because oh, they no. were Ken Kennedy's kids. And it was and everybody loved it. And they're like, this is really funny. But then Ken got hurt and it never wound up happening. But it's like that's the kind of shit in that era that would have worked better than if I would have been like, hey, you know, it's a cool idea. You have Eddie Guerrero and you have Chris Benoit. Let's do a 20 minute match. Then I would have been like, you're a fucking mark and no one cares what you have to say. Right, right. You needed to pitch that kind of weird stuff. And and Chavo was was awesome when it came to the Kerwin White stuff. Like he got what they wanted. He's like, I have no problem with any of this. Whatever you want to do, we're pushing the envelope. And and that was where they were they were going. Which what always stings me with the with the Kerwin White gimmick uh, was he was the Kerwin White gimmick when Eddie passed away. And when we did the the tribute show right after, he still had the bleach blonde dyed Kerwin White hair, but we they immediately he's like, all right, he's Chavo again, but he still looked like Kerwin White with that stupid hair, and that's what I always think of when I think of the gimmick. But uh, it was a it was a great comedy parody gimmick. Coming out in the clan robe felt it, it's it's way too over the top for for what it's supposed to be. But he was he was supposed to be a Latino overcompensating for for you know, trying to blend in with uh, upper echelon culture. And he was just trying to be daring. So basically uh, just a Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's too soon. You know what, Dan, I tell you what, if the election is over, maybe I can laugh about this. But right now it's, uh, right this now? is also the same time of, of the Mexicals. Uh, so just like keep that one in mind when I'm like, Oh, one of my jobs is I need to order lawn mowers in the city that we're riding mowers 
that say yeah, that Juan was, Deere. That was tough, man. I mean, that was that was that, bad. We took JBL to the tough. border in Mexico for him to like yell at fake Mexicans that were trying to cross the border for heat. Uh, where he came out with a donkey. It's like, this was that era. It was not a politically correct era. And if you were going to survive, like Chavo was trying to do, you got to pitch this over the top, just fucking terrible idea stuff that now in 2020, you can't do because Mattel is not going to make a Kerwin White toy. It's uh, it's funny you say that because today on Twitter, people have been sharing this clip that I totally forgot happened where I guess WWE is in Texas and it's Vince walking backstage and he walks by Sabu and he's like, we're, Oh, we're not in Texas. We're in Afghanistan. And then he looks at him. He goes, look, what, what is he in the Taliban? And then he just like (laughs) walks away from him. Vince didn't know the cameras were rolling at that point. I'm guessing. (laughs) It's so weird to think that like Sabu and Vince were in the same room together. Wow. I'm sure they had a lot in common. <laughs> Do you think Vince treated him like uh, like a legend or no? No, no chance. No. Wow. Um, but you know, it's he, he he if I if I remember correctly, he liked Sabu's presentation. He thought it looked interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think he didn't get any what any of these other companies were really doing. It was like he's not like he was watching footage. It's not like he's yeah. like, oh, I got to watch uh, December to Dismember or whatever. Uh, <laughs> November to remember that. That was the ECW one. December to Dismember was, was the one that WWE did. I apologize. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul Heyman. Um, right. Yeah, enough of this silly shit. Number five, Jay accepts Roman as head of <laughs> Oos or some fucking bullshit. Uh, I really liked it. I just don't know what the hell they're like when he's like, he's like, are you the Oos? No, I'm the Oos. I have no... I don't, I, I, our family's like this. I come from a family where there was no sort of self-respect. So it's not like we had any Black Panther type scenes to determine who was carrying, you know, the family crest. You know, I, I would assume families are not like this, Dan. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Dan talking to his therapist. I, I don't, did, was, did I miss something on my, my childhood? I just wish I I had a sibling that would challenge me to, uh, I did really like this. Uh, Roman, Roman was awesome. The, the way he, in the promo earlier in the night, the way he was like whispering everything, I liked. Uh, I hope he doesn't do it all the time, but it did work for this. The the Daniel Bryan moment at the end, I get it, and I'm glad it did happen, but it still somehow felt rushed that he was just, like, on board. Like, there, there wasn't enough hesitation for me. Well, he had to be on board because they're, they're, Survivor, they're coming up to Survivor Series, and they're like, all right, we, we need to get this done because – Roman wins the the I quit match and it was basically, hey, you're either with me or you're dead to the family. And I think that Jey Uso was kind of like, all right, I guess uh, I need to I need to align with you. Like, I get it now. Um, I thought it was it was epic. It was a cool moment. But Dan, to your point, this reminded me a little bit of uh, Festivus, where it's like you can't eat until you pin your father kind of thing, which which felt strange. And I feel like. I don't think we're allowed to use the term oos. I feel like there's something culturally weird. <laughs> about three white guys. Is, like, can I say oos? I, I don't. I mean, Zach, song, Zach can. can. I say it? Yeah. Yeah, Zach's able to do it, but the rest of us can't pull it off. Yeah, well, uh, Zach, Zach called me an oos lover the other day. It was really, uh, <laughs> really awful. Zach, Jesus. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I love this angle. I mean, it is kind of it's it is kind of fun though that like the best angles in wrestling right now, in my in my mind anyway, are this USO angle, you know, like the family respect thing, or the Eddie Kingston John Moxley feud, and both of them are like the opposite of like I'm the bad guy, I'm gonna beat you, you know. It's all like kind of like emotional dude shit. It's all like it's all uh, you know like third act of Goodwill Hunting or so, you know, like it's. It's it's a lot more emotional. Yeah, it's very fitting for the times. It's just men on the verge of tears. It's it's kind of cool. All the time. <laughs> yeah, re- wrestling needs more mini driver. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> um, number six, Aaliyah and Buddy Murphy are in love. I will say this: I was I was a little bit I, I didn't like love Aaliyah backstage before this, but I thought she was very good in this angle. And, uh, you know, whatever, man, this is the type of shit WWE needs to do. You know, like they're completely lost when they try to like do an angle, you know, that's just about like pure wrestling, like that you need a storyline to, to really make what they do. Great. Great. What do you guys think of this? Are you sick of this shit? Or are you, yeah, are you I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this storyline. I, I, I think it's like the natural progression of the storyline. I, I think, I thought the reason you were bringing it up on the podcast is because of the issues some people had with it online. Which oh is yeah, the, what was the is, thing? Is like, what is she? She's and he's thirty something, right? She's what? What are the ages of them? She's nineteen, and yeah, he and is, he's like thirty something. Yeah, let me look up his actual age. Uh, which again, it's like it's a it's a storyline situation. Like it's also, like yeah, that's not like yeah, he's thirty two. Yeah, it's like. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, like Chris Hansen doesn't need to be booked to finish this angle. I think yeah. they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think I, I'm I'm pretty sure a couple 19 year olds have dated a couple 30 year olds. You know, and I mean, in in wrestling, like Jerry Lawler thinks this feels a little weird for the other reason. But, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, like, she's all she's all old and gross. Oh, <laughs> she can drive. This is bullshit. Um, I can't wait until they trade her to Raw and just forget about this entirely, like Mandy and Otis. But uh, it, this. As weird as this storyline is, I loved, I can't believe I'm saying this, I loved Rollins' promo on SmackDown. The, uh, I'm, I'm willing to forgive you and I'm willing to take you back, I thought was, was, really, was really pretty great. Um, <coughs> so they're giving him something. It gives Dominic something to do other than just being not Umberto Carrillo. Um, and it'll lead to this Romeo and Juliet moment. My, my perverse hope, is that this is all a double swerve and that buddy is still with Rollins and they're going to, they're going to use this to keep this thing going and fuck over Aaliyah. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's it's for right now. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. That that's also, that's my expectation is that they're going to use it to, to make them even bigger heels and, and, and Dominic, I mean, at, at least for now, it can only work when it's just like he's enraged and needs to defend his family, you know? So. I'm also surprised he isn't like, like, he's 32. That should be part of it. Like, Dominic should be like, dude, what are you doing? I just think that would be funny if that was, like, the rest of his entire career is just she dates a new wrestler every couple weeks. Yeah, and every time he's just like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you dating this? And they just get progressively older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's not Mexican. (laughs) She's dating like Road Dog by the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't know, Dad? 
Everyone just creeped out. Imagine him like coming to coming to that honeymoon bed, doing the shake, rattle, and roll thing with the fucking. <laughs> oh, hey, Vince! Really, Vince? You know, because remember when Ray signed with them? Mm-hmm. It was you know uh, on this promise that they were going to train Dominic and blah blah blah. This was what we were hearing. I mean, they delivered on that promise. His whole family are are television stars right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's there's nothing. I don't know. I'm, I'm just props to Vince for keeping his word and, and and then some. But I think if, you know, if things if do go bad, sour. Bad, oh, not. dude, if things yeah. go sour, yeah, he's gonna, yeah, it, Vince is going to, you know, make Ray's wife make out with somebody in the ring. But uh, as of now, things are things are okay. Oh, it'll be with Vince. That's his go-to rule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, number seven. Go home, Dynamite. Last week, there was another edition of Dynamite at Daly's Place before our pay-per-view this Saturday, which is a good time to plug our Patreon. We will be reviewing full beer this uh, Saturday full night. Beer. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? I think you said full beer. It sounded like full beer. <laughs> full beer? Yeah. It's it like, damn like it, it, I wish. <laughs> damn it, I wish. Yeah. But there will be presents, some good wrestling. AEW presents Keystone Light. <laughs> yeah, full, full beer. I mean, that, yeah, that just sounds like a dream. Um, now, uh, let's, go, let's go through it. Um, I thought it was a fine episode of Dynamite. There was some great stuff about it. There was some not some great stuff about it. Start off MJF and Wardlow versus Sammy Guevara and Ortiz. I think Sammy's going to make a really good baby face this day. I, I will say, I thought like that at times they feel like they were slowing the match down just to go through spots, which I think it's just, you know, that's the disadvantage of just not, I, not being able to get up as much, I'm guessing. You know, what I don't do you know. Mean not be able to get up as much. What does that mean? Well, you know, like it's like they're not they're not doing house shows. They're not, um, you know, some of them are wrestling on other independents, but it's not like there's a huge market for that now with COVID. So I I just I sometimes wonder like like especially in AEW when you see different people wrestle one another who normally wouldn't have a lot of chemistry and then they don't have a lot of chemistry. I wonder it's because like is does the roster, um. You know, does the roster need to wrestle more? Do they need to be out there more? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that that is that is valid enough. Um Wardlow is a fucking star. I know I, I've been noticing that, but but yeah, this is gonna mean, change his name. Yeah. That's yeah, his but, real name, by the way. I looked it up. Really? I'm trying to figure out like is this like some stupid Dungeons and Dragons bullshit? It's like, no, his name is like Michael Wardlow. Wow, okay. Oh. That's kind of cooler then. They should have put that at the bottom of the name. Asterisk. No, it's really his name, so it's not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that word. I apologize. God damn it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress, guys. I'm, a work in progress. I'm uh, just going to pretend we didn't hear this. We've already talked about the clan and all kinds of other weird shit in this episode. <laughs> but uh, it, but uh, the, the thing that struck me as weird is Sammy played the babyface in this match when he's going up against Matt Hardy at the pay-per-view and he's supposed to be the dastardly heel who almost killed Hardy. So when Matt Hardy attacked him at the end, it felt a little weird. It's like they, they, they booked themselves into a corner they didn't need to, and they could have done Santana and Ortiz, but it's like you had Sammy out there 
as as kind of the de facto baby face. And then when Matt Hardy beats him up, the crowd was kind of confused for a second until they're like, oh, we can just chant delete. And they're like, yeah, we get to chant along. Yeah, well, that I mean, I know we're, we're going to get to our predictions, but that match specifically, it's like, wow, it, it shouldn't even be on the card. It feels like um, I am glad, though, if, if Sammy gets another high profile, like went over him, I, you know, I was I want to see that guy's career keep going up. for sure. But I, I, I think, you know, to not put Sammy in a match and just to have him be a part of the MJF Jericho match would do him a better service somehow uh because that's where that's where the storyline progression is for for sammy is that clearly uh everybody else is gonna kind of be on board or embraced and i think sammy's gonna be the odd man out now in the inner circle he's gonna be the one that mjf is pushing away from everybody and that's why when he bought the t-shirts sammy had like a double xl you know it's gonna be a Mm -hmm. lot of shaming sammy until Sammy snaps. And I'm sure there's, there's millions of ways you can go with that storyline, but that's definitely one of the things that's probably going to happen. Well, afterwards, MJF attacked Chris Jericho with commentary. Uh, they were separated by uh, Jake Hager. Jericho has a twisted smile on his face. I loved that because, because in the beginning, Jericho said, look, I don't think he'll be able to be in the inner circle because the one thing about us is we will do anything to win. Like we're crazy. We're crazy, we're unpredictable, um, and we get shit done. We get our hands dirty, and then MJF showed him that he can be vicious. I thought I, I loved I loved this whole thing. I, I like this whole show. Um, yeah, I just I, I yeah I really, well I really like the post match angle. The match itself I wasn't like super crazy about. Yeah. Uh, Tony Schiavone uh, visited uh, Kenny Omega. We can also take time to talk about the uh, Hangman Page promo later on with Jim Ross. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, and obviously Omega's way better as a weird heel than he is as a, some sort of like, like white meat baby face. Yeah, this is where he belongs. He should just be interviewed. I mean, we've said this often. He should only exist when it comes to promos with like someone sitting next to him, treating wrestling like it's a real sport. Because when you do that, he's able to talk about it in a way that comes off honest and genuine. Um, and prickish because I mean, I, I'm sure he really believes he's the best in the world. Uh, so when he starts discussing matches and things like that, it's like, there's a Bret Hartness to him in, in, in the way he speaks about himself, um, whether that's storyline or not. Uh, and, and I, I love it. I really, really liked this. And I, I liked Hangman's thing. I like the little touches where, you know, he's, he's in the, the house and there's framed pictures of wrestlers on his, on his little coffee table next to him, which was a nice little touch. Um, yeah. He, I, I actually had that Bret Hart note too. It's like, he's, he's got that feeling uh, to it where there's a little bit of Bret Hart to him. Um, I like that. It's like, he's buying into his own hype and then calling out how it's like, well, it's predictable. Of course, it's going to be me and hangman. What else did you think we were going to do? Which I kind of like that they're hanging a lantern on that a little bit. Um mm-hmm. having not seen a ton of Kenny Omega stuff before this, this version of him is growing on me uh, tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. um, My, my favorite thing about this wasn't actually during the segment. It was, I was listening to Meltzer today and they were talking about like uh, Kenny Omega. It was like, Oh, he's got the worst. He's got the worst outfits in all of wrestling. And then uh, Brian Albert said them like, well, you know, maybe all his uh, clothes are at the cleaner. 
And uh, Meltzer goes, oh, yeah, the cleaner. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they dry. Yeah, they dry him. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he just like completely tries to like riff and and just you just see like Alvarez's soul leave his body. Uh, now, 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 Brian, they, they wrap it in that in that plastic. And, uh, <laughs> y- you know, it's you can you can see through it. So you can you he could find the clothing. I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, uh, may, maybe it's in the closet. It's it's crazy. I mean, I, the one thing that he would be good at is like. Like, if you needed an energy vampire like they do in What We Do in the Shadows, Meltzer would be perfect for that. Like, if I needed somebody <laughs> to, like, or if I was, like, if I was, if I was, like, back on my single days, if I was hitting on a girl and then, like, left and another guy, like, swooped in and I needed, like, a cooler, I would want to pay Meltzer to just come in. Maybe this is, like, way too inside and definitely probably a majority of people would despise this but you know how kenny's been going out uh coming out with like the girls and like there's like these constant like what if he just like one show he was like i'm inviting dave Meltzer to come and sit and like live take notes and re- and see my magic oh in my person God, that would be amazing and Meltzer just like walks out with him door i mean Meltzer would be so happy and it, you would you would get this make-a-wish vibe which is kind of nice <laughs> it, it, it it works i think what would be more interesting and i i, I kind of thought they were going to do this i wasn't sure is when you have the girls come out there they have a big board with stars like star search and after the match he points to it for them to put how many stars they thought the match was <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, I you think know, you and should I, have Meltzer come out and dance with the girls. <laughs> well, I was talking to Dan last night about it, and the the reason the the girls work for him is because when he comes out, he doesn't acknowledge them like they're eye candy. He comes out like, "Nice job, you 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 did the dance moves we practiced right." Like it's like he <laughs> them the moves. Like I kind of want them to mess up, and he walks yeah. out and like shows them how to properly do it. And so then he's yeah. like, yeah. So he's Bob Fosse all of a sudden. He's got a sweater tied <laughs> yeah. around his neck. And- he's your yes. high school choreographer going through a divorce. He's got that. <laughs> Comes Come out on, smoking ladies. a cigarette. <laughs> uh, all right. So then there was the uh, Jim Ross Hangman Page. No, I'm skipping around a little bit here, but the Jim Ross Hangman Page package. I thought that was pretty, pretty great. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I, I, I trust it, man. I trust Kenny Omega as the next. AEW world champion and I trust Hangman Page is the next big baby face. I like where this is going. How about you guys? I like that he's a morose drunk. He had a great line when he was like, well, you know, I I, I thought I was going to be the first AEW world champion and no one else did. And it turns out they were <laughs> they right. Were right. <laughs> and it was like, this is like, he really is turning into like, it, it's, he's like, a, like his character is now, he's just a functional alcoholic, which is kind of a weird dark character to have where He's like, you know, this is why I drink and, and this is the closest I'm going to come. And, you know, hopefully I don't blow it again. Dude, it's like half drunk samurai, half Woody Harrelson and Kingpin. You know, it, it has that like vibe. I fucking love it. And he's only going to get drunker. I mean, it. well, we'll get to the predictions. But if he loses, th- this character is is going in the direction of uh, Road Warrior yeah. Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. This was the I thought these things were the two. I wasn't a fan of this week's AEW at all, so I think these were the two things I liked the most. Uh, these two uh-huh. video packages. Well, uh, speaking of things you probably didn't like the most, uh, Trent versus Miro. Yep. <laughs> I mean, holy I shit! I don't know, man. Miro looks awesome. That's probably all I can say. Positive. 
Miro looks awesome. This was, this was so long. This was yeah, Miro's so first match in AEW, and I think part of the problem that they that they have was well, his second is, match, right? Was it was his first singles single match. match. He had the yeah. tag match that we shit on, but the thing is, they 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 need to act like for some people this is the first time they're ever seeing Miro. There may be fans who didn't watch WWE and they they tuned in because AEW has a cool vibe to it. You need to establish Miro as just he's a fucking killer. And when I was watching this, all I thought of is they shouldn't have him in there with a feud against Trent in a 20-minute match with all these near falls. They should have what they should call basically the Miro Minute, where he just goes out there and beats all these hundred fucking guys they have on AEW Dark in less than a minute. And he's just mowing people down for two months straight before you ever put him into a real match. And you establish him as the unstoppable monster, because that's the one thing WWE did correctly with Rusev. He was unbeaten for so long, and he wasn't just like, eking out wins he was dominant until he ran into john cena they could have built him up and have him you know with with AEW dark being 14 hours long every week these guys have records of like oh they've won 62 matches but you haven't seen them on tv miro could be like a hundred no in three weeks because of these matches and he would be just he's mowing these guys down in a minute instead he looked like he looked good but he looked like a guy and they made it, this made Trent look much more formidable than it did Miro, and I don't think it did either of many favors. Yeah, well, I I think unfortunately what we're probably going to get out of Miro's next feud, it I mean what what Hangman spills a beer on his uh <laughs> his fucking PS4, Pikachu. His Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this needs this this whole feud needs to go. Sorry, I'm not even going to spend time talking about it. Uh, Taz, Ricky Starks, uh, Brian Cage bitched about how they're not on the pay-per-view. I loved this. Yeah, I, I mean, I was fine with it. I like Taz. My, as I soon as Taz came great. out, my wife was like, oh, he's very good. Like, it's yeah, funny Ricky how Starks, he, too. Yeah, he, he was good, too. It's kind of weird Jericho taking shots at Taz. You know what I did today? What'd you do? Put an orange hat on? I was like, that was, <laughs> that was pretty, pretty good. That was it was pretty like, good. That was fucking stiff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that, that would, there's got to be an understanding, right? Oh, of course. They, they've yeah. known each other for, for a long, long time. And I like the, the, the made, like, all Taz seems to do now is just throw shade at Vince. But the whole idea of a long line of people waiting outside to meet with, with the boss. Um, a lot of people name drop Tony Khan tonight. I noticed that there was three or four different times they were talking about him. I'm like, it's getting a little much because he's not really an on-screen character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they they might want to probably his fucking birthday and they want to make him feel special or something yeah that actually bothered me too that was a a note i made vicky vicky did it too it's just it feels like there's a lot of talking about uh about tony uh, kingston i think mentioned him at one point too it's just he's not a full-time character and i don't think that anyone wants him to be a full-time character uh let him be oz behind the curtain but uh yeah, they don't, they don't need to necessarily need to bring it up, but I like. Oh my god, know, his birthday! Uh, no, it's not. It's never mind. It's October fifth. I like that Taz, the only person in the company trying to maintain the integrity of the rankings. That's great. <laughs> the um, Mike Mike Warren's brought this up. That Taz had a great fucking line. It was like when Cody was like coming down to the ring, and he goes, "Why does Cody have to come out with that many people? Seems like kind of insecure. Seems like an insecure guy." <laughs> like he like dished on him. Uh, it was great. All right. Um, also, we have Private Party versus the Young Bucks. I, I thought this match was just kind of there. Um, 
Eddie Kingston and John Moxley engaged. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say something quick about that match. Uh, okay. About that match, it, it it was what it was. FTR comes out. That that Omega Hangman thing during that was so oh. perfect. I will say maybe it shouldn't have happened because uh, it did overshadow the Bucks FTR feud, which hasn't been very good at all. But that moment needs to be acknowledged. That was really good when Hangman came out and then Omega and yeah, I liked that. My note was this should have been the main event. Uh, you should have gone off the air with several of your big storylines. Everyone staring at each other should have been the main event. So. I agree. You're right. Uh, you guys like the promos between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley? Brother, come on. It was unbelievable. That yeah, was great. I think that was maybe the best promo of the year. Like, like back and forth, two guys holding I don't know. Or- Orton's had a good one. Uh, Flair, I thought, had that great promo that one night. And, yeah, I mean, those are the t- – Jake had a good one when he first came. But yeah, who the fuck yeah. knows, man? It was a good Dude, promo. Just... Yeah, invoking the mom was was intense. Uh, the fact that they weren't allowed to touch each other, so w- which kind of helped, where it's like, all right, they're just going to sit there and, and yell at one another. Um, it looked like that scene in Brokeback where they finally give in and start fucking on the tent. <laughs> That's the pay-per-view. Yeah. That's the payoff at the end. <laughs> I quit. Take me. Eddie turning his back. Yeah, and just like f- fighting the urge to headbutt this dude was so good. And uh, w- when he brought up having dinner with his mom, did anybody else uh, picture that Goodfellas scene at all? Just no, me. but okay. I, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. That's not too crazy. I was that it was because it, it, it felt personal because it probably was. So it was like I prayed with your mother. Like all the it was it was really. It was very strong, and, and it's clear that the, the parallels between this and the Uso-Roman Reigns feud, which both had an I quit match, but it's both a guy who's in a position of power trying to elevate someone who's legitimately very important to them and giving them the shot that they never had in, in real life and then translating it onto the TV. Onto the TV. Yeah, no, this was, this was so – I mean, this is something that if you're changing the channel and you don't watch wrestling and you see this going down – you go, oh, I'm going to check this out next week. Like, this is something that could actually maybe right. sell a pay-per-view. I'm going to say no because their pay-per-views are expensive. But, you know, if they were cheaper and I wasn't a fan, I might go, holy shit, I got to I gotta stream that illegally. It was, it was damn good, and they did their job, yeah. We don't next condone streaming illegally. Multiple, multi-packity. I was trying to do a multiplicity <laughs> pun. It did not work. Uh, Pac is on the couch with a bunch of other Pacs. Then we have, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. I like that. I thought it was great. I fucking sucked just because it was it was cool, but is we haven't seen Pac in a long time. And all I thought when I was watching this was not, oh, it's Pac slowly going crazy. It was, oh, they sent a crew out there and they filmed this and he worked with a bunch of editors and they did special effects and stuff when it could have just been Pac on his own slowly going like, all right, I'm, I'm going insane because he could have been filming it by himself in quarantine. Instead, it was like, Oh, this was clearly obviously produced with a bunch of different, you know, special effects and things. Unless Pac spent this whole time learning how to use Final Cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next up, Nyla Rose versus Red Velvet. Who cares? <laughs> um, then the and then fi- finally, the Dark Order versus the Gun Club and and Cody. Oh my God! I mean, this was just this was there. Um, Dude, this didn't even feel like a dark main. Like this felt like, yeah, felt like Sunday night. It felt like 
Velocity. Sunday Night Heat. It felt like fucking Sunday Night Heat or something. Yeah. Was... No, Sunday Night Heat wouldn't have booked this shit. Um, <laughs> this was this was that's why I'm saying your go home angle for your your top uh, one of your top pay per views was not the Young Bucks private party match with everybody involved. It was Austin Gunn getting the pin over one of the Dark Order guys to promote the Orange Cassidy pre show match. Uh, here's my here's my guess. Maybe they thought. Oh, the elections are gonna come. That like the results may come later in the night. So let's put this on last because less people will be watching. Is that's that too a, nice? That's that's really nice. Uh, no, yeah. but yeah, uh, the thing is, Cody was in it. <laughs> Cody you know, was in it, but like Cody should have not been in this because he immediately cut kind of a dickish heel promo on. Oh, uh, dude, that Darby. promo. Again, it's like he he's very good at promos, but it, some things don't deserve that much fire. If that if that makes any sense, it's like every promo is this like this big final final statement, and it's just it it's not there. The feud's not there. The title isn't even there. Honestly, like this is the ace title. Fucking how every promo feels like the AEW one year anniversary. Like every yes, promo it's feels all, like, uh, I did it against all odds. And you're like, well, I mean, you still had like a dad in the business who was a legend and had money. And then a brother who kind of took all your heat, <laughs> who could teach it. You know, it's like, it, 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 you're not this Horatio Alger story. Yeah, but I like that he keeps calling it the ace title. Cause the one thing that they don't bring up is he's not allowed to challenge for the world title. So he's this horribly insecure guy where he needs to make every feud seem within character. Every feud needs to be epic and every title defense needs to be a a monumental moment because he can't go after the world title. So he has to basically make his own. And I feel like they start acknowledging that and that that, that, that would be amazing. If they brought that up, this makes sense. Instead, it's like maybe I'm giving them way too much credit, like Scott thinking like, well, you know, they may be flipping over to see what's going on with the big board, like Rachel Maddow stealing our our Dark Order fan base. Uh, Time for the NXT corner with Robert. So, yeah, I didn't realize no one else was watching NXT. NXT this week was, I think the reason why I was so down on Dynamite this week was NXT was really fucking good this week. Um, they, they delivered across the board. They opened with Dakota Kai Ember Moon, which weird finish where Dakota Kai wins because Raquel Gonzalez winds up, uh, helping her, but it was a long match. It was a physical match. They were developing this new Ember Moon character of being more intense, uh, and highlighting that they have a ridiculously good women's division. Uh, they did Kushida Cameron Grimes and Cameron Grimes is the fucking MVP of this show. Uh, he's the MVP of the Total FM Marks podcast. I don't care. He's wrestler of the year. I heard they brought back, they brought back the zombie. Rep. I want to set, so I'm going to just set the stage here real quick. Cameron Grimes freaking out in the back because he's still jittery over the, when he's getting interviewed by the backstage woman. And then the, the referee who was the zombie referee comes up behind and let him know his match is next. And Cameron freaks the fuck out. Kushida and Cameron Grimes have a fantastic back and forth match. It's, I mean, it's, you, you forget that Cameron Grimes is a great wrestler him because she'd have a great match. The referee gets knocked out. So the zombie referee comes out, but he's not dressed like a zombie. He's just regular referee. Cameron Grimes starts freaking the fuck out because she locks in the submission hold and wins. But Cameron Grimes sold this beautifully. 
He plays right. this over-the-top character so well, but can back it up when he wrestles in the ring, which makes him invaluable. Um, they did Drake Maverick and Killian Dane against Everrise. The crowd is super into this Maverick and Dane being together. They're dancing along with them. They love it. Uh, during the match, Pat McAfee showed up with... Uh, Are they lo- Do they love it, or is it just like they're nervous Drake is going to kill himself? <laughs> I think like, there's a part yeah, of it. Yes. Like, it, I thought that at bed first, but no, they genuinely, like, there's a genuine, like, exuberance when they're doing their their bullshit. It feels like, you know, there, on the episode <laughs> of The Simpsons when Nelson and Ralph, uh, I'm sorry, when Nelson and, uh, uh, oh my God, my and Martin were together and they're like, I don't usually hang out with this guy. Um, but it works. Even their offense, where uh, most of the offense is just basically Killian Dane throwing Drake Maverick at people. It, it works. Uh, yeah. Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, uh, Orny Loken, and uh, my brain is not working today. Uh, They're like they, the kings of NXT. They now. showed up during this match. They hijacked the camera because the cameraman was outside filming them. And Pat's like, fuck it, give it to me. So he's just filming. He takes the camera and they just walk into the arena, beat the shit out of all four guys, and then do a basically a funeral for the Undisputed Era. And they lay out like James Bond villain style why they targeted them. And they brought up that uh, Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong were a team in 2017. And then Roderick Strong turned on Pete Dunne. And that's why Pete Dunne did this now three years later. And they, it, was, it was really well done. And their promo was, was, was solid. And they seemed like dicks. Um, Tony Storm and Shotzi Blackheart had a great match. Uh, it got interrupted by, uh, by Candice LeRae on the screen, running over her tank with a truck which was pretty cool. Uh, Johnny Gargano had a great uh, backstage, uh, or it was at his house, which I love this guy. He's like, I'm not scared of wheels. People think I'm scared of wheels. He's playing the game life and spinning the wheel. And then gets a phone call from the scary movie, from the the screen guy, who's like, I'm in your house. He goes, I know you're sitting right next to me. They cut, they're sitting right next to him. And they're just kind of like, they're they're buddies. Uh, And then the main event was Tommaso Ciampa beating the fuck out of Velveteen Dream for 15 minutes. Wait, and really? He just beat his ass? It was a, it was somewhat yeah, back was and like forth, but it was it was really good. But it was it was a very physical match. Champa wins clean. They're covering up for the fact that Finn Balor's not there, and they're covering up for the fact that the undisputed era are all injured, and they're making it work. Uh, and and Champa looked great. So this this show, top to bottom, I thought blew AEW out of the water. And for the last three or four weeks, Dynamite's been the better show. So this oh, was uh, this was great. Out. Yeah, I did like Havoc last week, but um, it sucks that both of these shows are both on Wednesday. Why can't? Of course, oh, yeah. it, it really sucks. Uh, apparently, WWE is uh, reportedly planning something different for the Royal Rumble. I have no idea what that means, but apparently, COVID Vince- testing. <laughs> yeah, it's everyone be a wears a man- mask. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess Vince wants to uh, change it up. It's going to be cinematic. Different. That's my guess. It's a cinematic thirty-man rumble. Oh, nobody uh, wants. You can't do a cinematic rumble on the you? roof of on the roof of the headquarters. Yeah, Everyone gets the, thrown the, off the roof. In the mind of of Bray Wyatt. <laughs> it sucks because last year's rumble. I mean, this year's rumble. I guess it's still this year. I mean, it, it, it's probably the best rumble i ever saw and uh yeah 
Well, oh, it was, that was an I'm, awesome rumble, and that's what made yeah. me think that Drew was going to be super over as a babyface going forward, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I'm naive and stupid. Yeah, but then that combo of of COVID and creative, you know, it uh, ruined everything. It's the two C's, Scott. It's, it's COVID <laughs> and creative. <laughs> Although it, you do get kind of annoyed at like you know because like every shoot interview they bury creative, and it's like yeah, dude, it's like. None of these guys are Philip Seymour Hoffman as far as range either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody's okay. got a tough job. It, 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 first of all, Philip Seymour Hoffman's not a writer. Uh, he was it's an actor true, and he's dead. Though he was a writer in State in Maine, which is one of my favorite movies, but that's besides the point. Um, the problem is when you're on creative, everyone has really great ideas I mean, outside of my stupid Ken Kennedy idea, but you have these ideas of what you want to do. It's trying to get it past Vince is almost impossible. And, and that's why I think everyone gets so frustrated with AEW, like Cornette, because Cornette would kill to have those resources and be able to put on the kind of wrestling show that he wants to put on. Uh, same thing for, for Bischoff when he's watching it, or, or, or probably Russo, I don't pay, give Russo credence, but a lot of these guys, it's like, we would love to have this opportunity to put something out there that, that is our version of, of wrestling. Um, but when you're on creative, you're literally just trying not to get fired and just serving the, the your, your master. Dude, so. what's his name? Uh, follows us. I think Vince Russo follows us on, on Twitter. We should we should do a Vince Russo roast. I don't know how the hell we should do that. We just we read what he like, booked for WCW. <laughs> We'd have to give him like 200 bucks or something. Yeah, bro. And then you had the powers, <laughs> the, the powers that be go over Sting. It was great. They beat him in four minutes. Actually good patreon plug if you go back and, and watch our patreon from this past week for scott's uh, spooky matches uh we watched a match from the vince russo era the uh vampiro sting human torch match it was uh, you gotta subscribe you gotta watch this match i didn't know what happened it's absolutely uh iconic and and lost in the uh you know because of a war better than anything you'll see in new japan <laughs> whoa speaking of number nine scott's new japan corner so guys i mean look i know that full gear is saturday night but saturday morning if you wake up early and pour yourself a bowl of cereal you can watch new new japan's power struggle uh it's happening this saturday it's main evented oh christ by uh naito and evil which kind of sucks and naito knows it he like in all the promos for it backstage, he's just like, I know, you know, I'm sorry to the fans who bought tickets expecting a different main event. Uh, he said we, that. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, cool. Fucking hilarious. I mean, cause man, we've, we, this has been the match since what June, which is uh, right. an absolute bummer. But we also got uh Yano versus Zack Sabre jr. Which who cares? But then we have a uh, Suzuki versus Shingo, which could be unbelievable for the never open weight title. Uh, we have Okada versus the great, uh, great Okan, which has been a pretty good storyline between him and uh, Okada and Osprey and Osprey joining uh, great Okan. What is the and, great Okan's gimmick? Is he just like a James Bond villain or some shit? It's yeah, like I mean, he doesn't, yeah, I don't know if he so much has a gimmick or if it's just an outfit, you know, sometimes an outfit looks like a gimmick, but he's just a fucking guy. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, for the, the, the U.S., the IWGP U.S. title, uh, the right to, well, not the title, but the right to challenge for the title. Uh, Kenta is putting up his contract uh, against Tanahashi. 
Uh, same thing goes for the contract for the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental title. Uh, Abushi is putting that up against Jay White because Jay White beat him during the G1 climax and Abushi won the G1 climax. So it only makes sense, but that'll be a solid enough match. It's Jesus a lot of, Christ, I hope they don't fucking give it to Jay White. Oh, I, I would go crazy. It's a lot of repeat matches. Uh, and then, yeah, again, uh, for the heavyweight title, you have Naito versus Evil. Uh, but they also announced some competitor. Well, they announced all the competitors for uh, Best of the Super Juniors, which is going to be in like December. And uh, ACH and Leo Rush are a part of it. So they're heading to New Japan, which is badass. Love ACH. Uh, yeah, man. I'm very excited to see him in New Japan. Talented guy, loved working with him in MLW. Under underrated, and he's he's fucking great. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm pumped. And Leo Rush, man. I mean, it, especially you know, it's a, it's a Super Juniors tournament. Uh, the uh, the matches uh, are, are going to be amazing. I'm 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 pumped. That's that, that. that's a guy WWE should have signed. Leo Rush. <laughs> I mean, AEW should have signed. You mean AEW? Yeah, Yeah. I think they were worried about this, the the idea of him being a problem, which I I don't know if he is. Uh, I'll I'll say he isn't, maybe. But but yeah, especially that was like during the time where AEW was like, you know, they were like, they banned Hulk Hogan from attending events that he was never (laughs) going to go to. You know, it was like during that time where it's like, we don't (laughs) want anybody could you imagine anything more unlikely than Hulk Hogan casually going to a wrestling event just to hang out? Yeah, exactly. There's no way that that happens. Oh, and, and just because you mentioned Naito, and Naito made me think of this. There was a, a Impact Wrestling who's like our we, – we try to not be fucking mean to them. But uh, they have a video that they're trying to promote their Impact Plus service. And they put together this 20-minute video. They don't realize completely fucking buries the company where it's wrestlers you didn't know were in Impact. Oh and it was God. just highlighting all these guys that they had the chance to sign. Could they drop the ball on. Here, here's just some of the names. Naito, Okada, Will Ospreay, CM Punk, Tyler Black, John Moxley, Luchasaurus, Sammy Guevara, all wrestled in Impact. And Impact didn't sign a single one of them when they could have got them for pennies on the dollar. And they put this out here of like, here's a reason to subscribe to Impact Plus. You can see all these matches. Instead, it's here's how fucking terrible we were. We had Mate. all of these guys, and we didn't sign a single one of Matt, them. Matt, you got to get Matt Morgan's money, man. <laughs> Number 10, full gear predictions. We're going to do our full gear show on Sunday. We'll also be talking about it next week on our regular podcast. Uh, but here are our predictions for Saturday night's show. Uh, full gear predictions. Number 10. Let's start off with the... Uh, buy-in match, which is Serena Deb or Deeb, I Deeb. forget, Deeb versus Allison K, Allison K for the NWA Women's Championship. Uh, since I mispronounced both their names, I'm going to just let you guys handle this. Uh, here's my prediction. I will be ordering food during this. <laughs> Serena, look, Serena Deeb is very talented. Uh, they, they obviously, NWA took the title off Thunder Rosa because all the rumors of her potentially trying to leave or, or who knows what. Allison Kay, I guess, is a free agent now. So AEW is probably going to want to sign her. So I'm guessing the NWA is going to keep the title on Deeb. Uh, for sure, for sure. And I you know Scott will get some, uh, I don't know, is it, is it pizza? Is it going to be Thai? Like there's wings, a lot of variables. Wings. Wings are tough because you're going to be like, you're, the hands are going to be sticky. That's true. That's true. 
I, I also something about when I watch wrestling, I, I try to eat healthy so I don't feel like such a piece of shit. It's like it's just like how Meltzer does push-ups during commercials during of Raw. <laughs> Wait, is this true? This is a legit thing. Meltzer works out during the commercial breaks when he's watching Raw. That's hilarious because Meltzer has giant arms. No, Meltzer's in great shape. <laughs> yeah, he's in great shape. If your entire job was just watch pro wrestling and then write about it, you have lots of time to work out. That's true. Every That's once true. in a while, almost some beating someone to death during board game night. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's like, who really cares about this match? Uh, Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Obviously, Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's going to win this, right? I mean, we even need to talk about this. Cassidy or this is when Taz and them decide to make up their presence known, but I think that'd be too early on in the show. So I think this yeah, may Cassidy. be when the only way <laughs> Silver wins is if this is when Brody Lee decides to return and just beat the fuck out of Orange Cassidy. Yeah, no, I think we're getting a Cassidy clean win. That's that. I don't care. Matt, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in an elite deletion match. Sammy Guevara, how about you guys? You have Sammy, dude. I don't know. I mean, it's it is Matt Hardy's match. I I see Matt winning. I really do. Uh, I don't know how, and I'm bummed out for Sammy about it. But they'll figure it out. But this feud needs to end, so it just ended clean. And that's that. But I think it goes to Hardy. Yeah, I think Matt Hardy is going to win. I think this furthers the division between Sammy and the rest of the inner circle that MJF can point to Sammy being a a failure and and losing. Uh, I really hope this is pre-taped and that there are pillows for them to land on because I'm I'm worried for Matt Hardy's health. I agree with you. I I actually hope it's just Sammy and a stuntman the whole time and they just work around it. It, it makes me think back to 05, we were doing the uh, Edge-Matt Hardy feud, and they were having these brutal fucking matches, like a cage match and stuff. And Edge, uh, we were waiting to pre-tape something. He's like, I got a pitch for you. What if Matt Hardy and I face each other in a pillows match where the way you win is the first person to fall asleep gently? <laughs> <laughs> those were brutal matches, man. I remember those, yeah. Yeah, were they still pissed at each other at the time, or was it, were they both like, all right, this is business? This is business, and at this point, Matt Hardy, I believe, was with Ashley Massaro, so I think he was he was doing okay. Okay, nice, nice. All right, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship. I'm going to go with Shida just because I think that the next person they're going to give the title to is uh, Britt Baker. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Shida, and I actually think this is going to be a, a very good match. I think it's going to go to Nyla Rose, and they're setting up this feud with her and Brandy for the uh, for the title. Oh no! Ugh, yikes! I didn't fucking book it. I'm just thinking uh, what they're gonna do. I don't know if they're gonna do that, but I mean, you know, who knows? Cody versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Darby <laughs> Allen, it's got to be Darby, right? You can't. Well, you you would you can't think, have him I, win. I think it's Cody in a prickish way. That that's all I can think. Cody in but a way got, that makes. How many you go, heels do we have then? Like everybody's going heel in this company. I know yeah. that sucks too. No, I think that I think this is when Team Taz strikes and Cody and like they're going to interfere. Cody and Darby are going to team up to battle them, and then Ice Train's going to show up, wherever the fuck his name is, to make the save. But he's going to grab a chair and lay out Cody and Darby and join Team Taz. Because they oh, keep no. saying, like, you got the, the clock is ticking. You got to let us know. And I feel like it's going to be one of those stupid moments where he's standing there with the chair and you think he's going to help him. And then he lays out Darby. I'm into that. That's what it is. You're right. 
Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then I think we're gonna get like WWE. Brian Cage versus Cody because that's what they're kind of setting up anyway, right? Brian Cage versus Cody. Uh, I, I can't, mean, can't what, wait what Taz for was saying work great night. on that match. Yeah, um, Jesus. MJF versus Chris Jericho. Uh, MJF just because there's more storyline possibilities. Yeah, I, I man. Like MJ, MJF joining the inner circle. It's just got to be. Yeah, it's got to be like where are the most storyline possibilities? Absolutely. FTR MJF. Thinking, oh wait, I think he cheats to win though, and Jericho respects the fuck out of that. That's what I think happens. Well, yeah, that's that seems like where they were going. Yeah. Uh, FTR versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. I'm gonna go with the Young Bucks just because of the stip. You guys. Yeah, I think this is the title you see change hands. Uh, I am interested to see how it ends. I hate the way this storyline has worked out. I almost want this to be the match that somebody interferes in just so we could get a fresh start and, and, and redo this I, because ugh, it just hasn't been very good. I'm sure the match will be good. I don't think it's going to be as good as people think. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, they, they banned Tully Blanchard from ringside. So there's going to be some kind of shenanigans. This, the, the stipulation they put on it of we're never going to challenge the titles again is a stupid stipulation that they didn't need to put on there. It makes your baby faces look dumb. Uh, I think the fact that Matt Jackson is legitimately working through injury means that they'll probably keep the title on FTR and they're going to have to figure out some way down the road for the young bucks to get a, a shot or everybody in the, in the elite ultimately loses the chance to challenge for any titles, which is such trash, but there is something cool about Cody refusing it. Uh, you know, losing and refusing to fight for for the for the yeah, championship, and the Bucks again? losing and refusing it, but then Kenny just winning the title, you know, <laughs> and then being like, "Hey, man, like we're all EVPs, and it's kind of our thing. We don't want to have title the titles." And he's just like, "Yeah, fuck you guys." Oh, that'd be a great promo for he's like Moxley. If I win, I win the title, and if I lose. I'm going to get another shot at the title because I'm not Ex a fucking idiot. Oh, I would love that. Exactly. Because I'm not a fucking Mark. I would love <laughs> that. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page in the final of AEW's World Title Eliminator Tournament. It's got to be Kenny. That's the obvious story. I think it's going to be match of the night. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, with both things you just said. I, I think it's Kenny. Even though, look, I'm not going to be mad if Hangman wins. Uh, I'm just interested in how that would practically work. Yeah, nobody wants to see Mox and Hangman. Yeah, like I, 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 yeah I, I think I think you know the match starts respect, 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 and then it just slowly turns into Kenny trying to murder Hangman, and. Uh, that's what's going to happen. I think it's, yeah, Kenny trying to murder Hangman, and then after he wins, trying to do the fake sincerity thing. And yep. maybe this is when Kenny goes full heel, where he, he you know, he, he lays him out. Uh, you know, he's like, we were going to do the, we're going to do the fake hug, like we're, we're getting back together. And then he lays him out, maybe pours booze on him, I don't know, or pours milk on him. Isn't that his bullshit? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have a, a request, though. I, I I want them to play that Cinderella song over the loudspeakers the entire time. Did you see the promo package and they played that? Uh, uh, what? Oh, yeah. What the band's name is Cinderella. What's the name of the song? Come on. Don't was it? Um, don't you don't know, know what you got till it's gone. If they could gone. just play that as they fight, I mean, <laughs> whoo. <laughs> 
John yeah. Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, an I quit match for the AEW Championship. Uh, I'm going to go with John Moxley. Zach, who do you got? Yeah, Moxley. I'd say Moxley. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and Scotty. Well, it's it's more than just Moxley. Of course, Moxley wins, but it's how do you get Eddie Kingston to say I quit? Uh, because you don't want to see Eddie Kingston say I quit. I mean, the guy is kind of a baby face at this point. And, and I, I, my fear is that somehow Pac uh, shows up. I don't know if that's even possible, possible, like uh, flight wise, uh, because I know that Pac promo had Kingston's voice in the background because, you know, that would really piss me off. Uh, so this is how I'm booking it. Uh, you book it the same way you book the Jey Uso Roman Reigns. Uh, I quit match, but obviously, uh, Eddie doesn't have a brother, so you just have his mom come out. <laughs> and Moxley chokes out his mom. <laughs> yeah, like, you have Brandon Cutler dressed. Yeah. No, it's just oh, really his mom. And, and then, you know, Eddie goes, I quit, I quit. It's because like, we make fun of WWE, but we, we all pitch WWE storylines immediately. Oh, it's that's fully what the note that I had was that it's Eddie's mom is ringside and she's fully like there's a stove and she's making some kind of sauce. The entire just stirring for 45 minutes. Eddie, you gotta quit. Oh, uh, well, check out. Wait, what, Robert? That was it. That's my that I, this is not a matter of who's gonna win, it's a matter of how they're gonna do it. And I think it's gonna be that or. Eddie's long lost dad shows up and gets him to, to, to quit. <laughs> Son, I'm proud of you either way. He's yeah, crying. He, like, he looks like uh, like the guy at the end of Waterboy. <laughs> they start playing Cats in the Cradle. Like, since yeah, Scott's got the rights to every song now, it's an all musical edition of Full Beer. <laughs> yeah. Who would, his, who would his dad be in the storyline? I guess you'd want, you'd want oh, somebody, Tito Santana, I guess. Like, somebody, I mean, the worst, the worst would be Jake, right? That would definitely be the hardest. It's but be- it's somehow possible. Like he could be anybody's dad. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm my own dad. <laughs> All right, guys. That's uh, that's this week's episode. Get our t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Become a Patreon. A patron. A patron for our Patreon. I do not know how the English language works. And check out, uh, I'm going to be posting more stuff, I think, on Instagram, like stand-up videos, stuff next week, uh, as soon as this hellscape is over. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, listening to the show. Appreciate it. More people listened last week, so that's a plus. Oh, yeah, there we go. Join Scotty. the Patreon. Uh, join the Patreon. Buy a t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. And listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days, with Brennan Sangalo. And Robert. I I, I I spend so much of my time watching MSNBC. I don't know what's real anymore. Uh, right. Follow I'm me on Twitter immediately after this. Uh, I was yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. I'm gonna be. I, it's my 10 year wedding anniversary this week. I'm gonna be spending the entire weekend watching election results. So kids, when you get married, this is the magic that waits for you uh, down the pike. Uh, getting to sit with the with the one that you love and and just seeing if our country is gonna. Uh, still be here in time for next week's episode. Well, I mean, are you guys not going to, like, <laughs> you guys, are you guys not going to have sex if Trump becomes president? 
Um, it's going to be tough for me to get an erection after that. I'm going to have to watch a lot of QT Marshall matches to get myself fired up. Uh, I feel like QT would love that. Like he likes to be humiliated, you know, (laughs) just, just Biden destroys the lead. This got so much more disturbing than I even anticipated. QT Marshall sitting there. Watching the podcast has been over for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zach, stop oh, recording. He's quit. Oh, this, this, is a, this is a bonus edition called Dan Furiously Masturbates. All right. Why is this different from all other weeks? <laughs> That's true. All right, guys. Uh, thank you. And uh, Zach, any parting words? On that disgusting note, wash your hands. Please right. wash your hands. Please wash your hands.